0: Hello, this is Aaron, and welcome back to the podcast. Last week, I was in Chicago speaking to a group of MBA students at the University of Chicago about that city, uh, which most of them are not from, since that's an elite school that draws from the entire country of the world. And my talk wasn't recorded, but since I had my notes and it was still fresh in my head, I thought I would just essentially almost give, re-give the talk a little bit in, in a slightly different form uh, for the podcast audience. So I hope you enjoy and if you think about a lot of the narrative uh, around the economy today, it's it's usually some simple bifurcated model like coast versus heartland or flyover country. And I think there's something real to that, uh, but it doesn't really capture all the nuances of the different places. And it certainly does not capture the important exception that is Chicago. You know, Chicago really rose to prominence in the late 19th and early 20th century Uh, as it became an industrial colossus at the era of large-scale American industrialization and the railroads. Chicago had been located at a confluence of of waterways uh, on the Great Lakes watershed and also an easy uh, portage or canal route to the Mississippi River watershed, so it was excellent for water traffic, a very strategic point, and it grew to become the hub of the nation's railroad industry. Uh, unlike with the interstate highway system, there's no single national network of railroads. Instead, there were Eastern Railroads and Western Railroads. And the place they all met is Chicago, which was true then and is still true today. It's America's largest rail hub. So essentially, agricultural goods and raw materials flowed into Chicago. Processed commodities and manufactured items flowed out of it, uh, both to the Midwest and, of course, to East Coast uh, markets and internationally. And essentially, Chicago and the Midwest grew up together as a single integrated system, uh, which is really talked about uh, uh, nicely in William Cronin's book Nature's Metropolis, if you've read it. If any of you have ever seen uh, the Ken Burns documentary on the national parks, um, Cronin is one of the talking heads in that. I think it's a great book, although if you don't like economic history, it may not be for you. And Chicago grew to be the second largest city in the country, and people were just in awe when they saw Chicago. There had never been another city like Chicago. The unbelievable mass of people, of industry, of hog butchering, you know, people came here to see it as an incredible spectacle and it was, just, it was just a city unlike any that had ever come before. And as late as 1909, when the Burnham Plan of Chicago was created, local leaders really thought that Chicago was destined to grow to become the largest city in America and the world, passing New York. Well, that didn't happen um, for reasons, uh, you know, can't go into here. Uh, but, you know, Chicago uh, still grew and retained its status as the second and then third largest city in the country. And even into the post-war mid-century era, Chicago was an incredibly important um, cultural capital in the United States. This was talked about in Thomas Deitch's book, The uh, Third Coast. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, but he talks about all the things that were happening in Chicago that were incredibly ne- relevant nationally, particularly in shaping mass culture. Uh, you think of uh, novelist Saul Bellow, who won the— uh, the the uh, Nobel Prize, you can think of Hugh Hefner and Playboy, uh, Johnson Publications and Ebony Magazine, the architect Mies van der Rohe, Chess Records, uh, which was uh, putting out acts like Muddy Waters and Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry, Ray Kroc and McDonald's getting, getting started, uh, Chicago really along with uh, – L.A. and New York was one of the culture shapers of America. And in in some respects, it kind of still is today in in, in an attenuated form. And then in the late uh, 60s and into the 70s and 80s, Chicago went into a period of very steep decline. What do you want to call it? The Rust Belt era or the urban crisis era. This is one that was uh, extremely difficult for all established American cities Uh, Chicago was not alone here. New York famously almost went bankrupt in 1975. Uh, So cities were kind of seen as on their way out when um, uh, Mayor Richard J. Daley, the old boss of the machine, died in office. It it led to a a system of a little bit of of civic breakdown, um, perhaps best epitomized by the 1979 blizzard that paralyzed the city under uh, Mayor Blandick. Then in the in the 80s, um, the Chicago Tribune did a four part front page uh, cover uh, series called The City on the Brink, saying that essentially the city was uh, about to go over the precipice and and may just collapse completely like so many others. Um, Harold Washington was elected in the 80s as the city's uh, first black mayor. And that ushered in a period that became known as council wars because the white dominated city council basically refused to do business at all with uh, Washington. So there was sort of a standoff, which lasted until he was elected for his second term and a more favorable city council came in. But then um, essentially, Washington died uh, very shortly after winning reelection. And uh, there was sort of an, an interim mayor for a while, and then in the late 1980s, uh, Mayor Richard M. Daly, son of the former uh, old Mayor Daly, uh, was elected mayor and was in until 2011. And he uh, took office right as cities were starting to come back across America, and presided over essentially the start of the regentrification of the city, which has been uh, effectively ongoing since the present day. Uh, and to many of the things that we see uh in the current present era. So where does that leave Chicago today? One, uh it is the only truly urban global city type place in the interior of of the country. There are other important business centers like Dallas which in some ways, you know, is, is something of a rival uh, of Chicago and, uh, for business services and corporate headquarters today. Uh but Uh, Nothing urban on the scale of Chicago, dense, transit-oriented, walkable, and with that important global city, global orientation. It's still the third largest metropolitan area in the country after uh, L.A. and and New York, and it has the second largest uh, central business district and skyline in the nation, so there are more people working in the Chicago Loop uh, well, not just the loop, but the the greater central area now than there are in in central San Francisco or Boston or places like that. I think there's something like six hundred thousand jobs there, which is pretty impressive. I think there are about two million in Lower Manhattan. So, in essence, uh, you know, central Chicago is a sort of a mini Manhattan. It is the second or third largest uh, subway slash L system, uh, depending on how uh, Washington is doing these days. And its Metro Commuter Rail system is the second largest in the country, uh, after the various uh, New York ones, all treated as one. Chicago has uh, a globally important financial exchange, a CME Group, uh, which is one reason why I say it's a global city. It's not just a, uh, a you know a, a, tr- a traditional national or regional business center. Uh, the London Review of Books just did an interesting article on high speed trading. And they just flat out said that uh, you know CME is the world's most important financial exchange and nothing else even comes close. And because of that, there's been a, an array of high-speed, uh, high-frequency trading firms and hedge funds uh, that have set up shop in, in, in Chicago. Notable Citadel Investments and Ken Griffin, this is the state's richest man. Uh, There's a big fintech industry in Chicago. Uh, It's probably one of only three or four cities in the whole country where you could really think about realistically launching a fintech startup. And then there are just numerous Fortune 500 headquarters. Um, There's just a bunch of them. I don't know exactly how many, uh, but it's a lot. And it's blue chip companies of a variety of types, you know, Walgreens, Allstate, United Airlines, and uh, around that, and, and really I think in many ways the engine that makes the city go, is a massive professional services complex of consultants, accountants, law firms, ad agency, etc. Uh, that includes globally important firms that are based in, uh, in Chicago like the law firm Sidley Austin, which is one of the ten largest in the country and one of the largest in the world. Uh Accenture, uh, when when I worked there, had its largest U.S. office in Chicago, and it had been founded there. Um, Arthur Anderson started his company in Chicago. And Chicago, along with Dallas, is probably the best place in the country for what I call professional services overstaffing. That is, you hire more people than you actually need to service the local markets with the idea that you're going to fly them around the country to clients around the country. It's in the middle of the country, so you can fly to, to both coasts. It's in the central time zone. It's a big city with a huge hub airport. You can get the talent. And you just don't want to be overstaffing at a place like San Francisco, which is super expensive and inconvenient to fly to. And then, you know, maybe it's a different kind of professional services. Uh, it, it's an important center of the design industry. So architecture, interior design, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, SOM, the architecture firm, is, is based there. And a lot of the super tall buildings in the world, I think most of the super tall buildings in the world were designed by Chicago architects. It's also an incredible uh, culinary center. Um, every place has good restaurants now, but I would say Chicago's got better restaurants than than New York. And then there are some important cultural things that are still present in Chicago. I think one of the ones we all know is the improv comedy tradition there that continues to be so influential I mean, essentially, there are only three comedy training grounds in the country, New York, L.A., and, and the Chicago system. Uh, similar with theater, um, there's a lot of serious theater uh, in, in in Chicago. Uh, there's some TV and things filmed there as well. My brother works as a professional actor in, in Chicago. And if you aspire to work as, as any sort of a professional actor, um, you, you know, again, Chicago, along with New York and L.A. is where you want to do it. And then, of course, the city is is seeing a massive construction boom. They're sucking in huge numbers of young, college-degreed people. It has a a huge hub airport, and maybe the only place that has a a hub of two major airlines, United and American, are both there. And it's full of just highly regarded institutions, like the University of Chicago uh, and Northwestern, uh, and and many trade associations and things of that nature. So there is a long, long list of things that uh, in and I think put Chicago in the coastal club, and in some ways it's, it's higher than almost all the coastal cities except maybe New York uh, in, in a lot of these respects. But with that, Chicago has a serious series of problems um, uh, that it has to do with as well. It essentially has stagnant regional population. It's a little less than 10 million today, and I asked uh, Chicago demographer Rob Peril, uh last year if the city, he thought it would ever hit 10 million, and he thought, he said, basically, unless they change the definition to the metro area, probably not. The city is also falling in population, largely due to a black population exodus and a collapse in Mexican immigration, which had really been the dominant uh, ethnicity moving in there. And, um, you, you know, the, you can talk, you can tell a lot of stories about immigration uh, population in Chicago, but at the other day, I think it's the only one of the 15 largest cities in the country that's losing population. So that's not good. It continues to have significant crime problems. Down uh recently, which is good, but still last year more murders than New York and LA combined. And it's true that cities like St. Louis and Detroit and Baltimore have higher murder rates than Chicago, but those are cities that sh- Chicago ordinarily would not want to be bracketed with. Of course, the city is also hyper segregated. Uh like many Midwest cities, it's not alone in this, but uh it's incredibly stark. And then Chicago just has a lower end economy than the coast. If you look at, at per capita GDP, uh, San Jose is 128,000, San Francisco, 90,000, Seattle, 80,000, Boston, 78,000, Washington, 74,000, New York, 71,000, and Chicago is 61,000. There's not a huge gap between Chicago and New York, but Chicago is pretty close to the national average of 55,000 and certainly far below. Uh, the 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 Bay Area, Seattle, et cetera, uh, and part of that is that Chicago just has a very diversified economy. It is not the epicenter of any globally important 21st century macro industry, in the way that New York has finance, or or Silicon Valley has uh, tech, or Boston has biotech, or Washington has government. It doesn't have sort of a home industry with a wide moat that spends off oceans of cash, and so. That's actually a good thing in some ways. I mean, you, you know, um, you look at Detroit and being concentrated in the auto industry. Diversity is great to protect your position, but diversity is how you preserve wealth. Concentrated positions are how you, how you create wealth. You know, for example, you, start, you go all in on starting a company. You become Bill Gates. You become wealthy. You put all your eggs in one basket. Then once you cash out, you can diversify. And then Chicago attracts a lot of talent. But it doesn't really draw uh, the most elite talent, if we define that by uh, occupation or, uh, say, Ivy League graduate status. Uh, In his book, Coming Apart, Charles Murray said, quote, It's difficult to hold a nationally influential job in politics, public policy, finance, business, academia, information technology, or the media, and not live in the areas surrounding New York, Washington, Los Angeles, or San Francisco. In a few cases, it could be done by living in Boston, Chicago, Atlanta, Seattle, Dallas, or Houston, but not many other places unquote. And I think Australia, there's some there's some of this in Chicago. Uh, Chicago's certainly a player in some respects, but not as much as sort of those big four uh, coastal uh, cities uh, that he mentioned. And then we see this in in the locations of Harvard, Princeton, Yale grads which uh, he notes that a quarter of them were living in just New York with another quarter in just three additional cities, Boston, Washington, and San Francisco. And he notes that uh, Chicago and L.A., I should point out, got relatively few Harvard, Princeton, Yale graduates relative to their population. And then again, in, in venture capital, just like with uh, Ivy League grads, we see hyper concentration with just four major regions accounting for 80% of uh, venture capital investments. That's the Bay Area New York, Boston, and L.A. Chicago Tech, I'd say it's pretty solid, but it underperforms relative to the size of the city. I mean, if it's the third largest city, Chicago should have the third biggest tech hub, and that's just not the case. And There's a local group headed by former Commerce Secretary Penny Pritzker called P33 that's uh, trying to change that. But I, I don't want to uh, be be that down on Chicago's tech. Um it's uh, – I think it's it's got a great thing going right now and a lot of Silicon Valley people are setting up shop there, et cetera. It's just out of that, you know, what, 80% are going to four cities. I mean the math kind of speaks for itself. And then, you know, I think we, we sort of see this uh, on the Amazon HQ too when, um, you know, Amazon went with New York and Washington. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was just wrong on this because I really was on Team Chicago on this one. I thought it was perfect. Amazon, with, some, with a lot of retail orientation, uh, probably was a little more cost-sensitive than others. Chicago does have great talent, central location, et cetera, but it wasn't quite enough um, to, to overcome that, the two coastal cities. And so uh, then we get to the, the issues I think we get a lot of the talk, which are around the finances. Uh, all levels of government in Illinois have enormous unfunded debts and liabilities, uh, the root cause of that is the extremely poor governance uh, in the city and state. Uh, it's hugely corrupt. Uh, numerous aldermen have gone to jail along with uh, various governors. You may have seen that, uh, that Ed Burke, the powerful finance committee chair of the city council, was just indicted on various corruption charges. Of course, he was reelected as well, which should tell you something. And then there's people that uh, have just been around forever like Michael Madigan who's essentially been speaker of the House of Illinois since the 1980s. And uh so this this poor governance is is really is really hurting the city. And maybe even a bigger root cause is there's a, a civic culture uh of insiderism or sort of a closed network uh in Chicago. Uh there's a great book about Chicago politics uh, sort of a, a collection of essays of or maybe just oral uh, stories of people talking about the machine era politics of Chicago. It's called "We Don't Want Nobody Nobody Sent," and that that sort of sums it up. I mean, who you know counts for a lot in Chicago. And so, what's the bottom line? I mean, I would say Chicago uh, exists at the borderline of of kind of great of greatness. I would say there is essentially four cities that are the four clear kind of A cities in, in the country, New York, Washington, San Francisco, and LA. Uh, I'd say Chicago is sort of an A minus B plus city, similar to uh, say a Boston or a, a Seattle uh, that don't fire on all cylinders, but, but fire on, on some of them. So certainly it's, it's, it's a city that belongs in the conversation, even if it's not one of the big four. And another thing I just, I just want to point out, I just went through a long list of Chicago problems and it, you know, keep in mind that all these other cities have huge problems too, particularly even these big four coastal cities. I mean, enormous affordability problems on the coasts. Uh, San Francisco streets are covered in needles and human waste. Homelessness problem is out of control in Los Angeles. You know, New York has huge problems with its transit system. So, you know, there could be a long list of every, every city just like, you know, we've all got rap sheets. Every city's got a rap sheet and uh, we shouldn't assume that, uh, Chicago's rap sheet is you know so unique compared to uh to to all these other cities, but it does have it does have a lot of a lot of problems that it has to deal with, and I think what uh you know it starts with you know fixing the fiscal and the governance issues, and uh, don't kid yourself, taxes are going up a lot uh if you live in Chicago. There's just no other way to fix it. You're not going to cut fraud and waste to, to deal with this one. They say you got to open up the network. Uh, it's got to be a place where. Who you know counts for less, and people can come in and and make a mark and get connected. I think Chicago has to find a way to generate more wealth, uh, which means it needs to build a claim to fame. I'm not saying diversification is bad. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being diverse, but maybe maybe it's not an industry. Maybe it's like what happened in Seattle. Seattle doesn't dominate tech, but Seattle had you know Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos that built these tentpole companies that became fabric of the internet that enabled it to generate immense wealth. So maybe if somebody could found a company like that, which means Chicago needs to attract and reward people, uh, you know, of the ambition level that the people on the coast have, Uh, which, you know, when you look at people like Michael Bloomberg, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, you got to find people like that in Chicago or attract them there and let them build like a world-beating company there. And then I think, you know, you've got to protect what's the killer app of Chicago, which is its quality price ratio. I mean, in terms of uh, having a true urban environment at a reasonable price and a humane existence, you know, in a lot of ways, Chicago is 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 perfect on that. Uh, you know, I live in New York with a, a uh, you know, a wife and a and son and a one-bedroom apartment. It's probably as good as it's going to get. You know, whereas in Chicago, an average – professional couple can afford a pretty nice condo with a parking spot underground and just being able to drive to a real grocery store and load up the car with groceries and drive home or to Target or to Home Depot or whatever, that counts for a lot. And a lot of the urbanists, they hate this. They hate it when I say this and they really want to do to Chicago what what the coastal cities did is make it obnoxiously difficult to drive. But that's just basically putting you in a category where you're not really well-positioned. Uh, to compete. So I, I think that Chicago needs to remain like a, a relatively car friendly city and they got to keep the construction going, to keep the costs low and uh, just, you know, then then that quality price ratio really works out in Chicago's favor. And if you address some of the other points, uh, then I think things are looking good. So anyway, this is some thoughts on Chicago. I hope you enjoy. And until next time, uh, this is Aaron. Oh, and by the way, one last thing, if you haven't left a, a rating yet on iTunes, Please do that or whatever platform you consume on. I really appreciate it. Thanks again.